This is OPI Talk, the voice of the business products industry. Hello and welcome to the first OPI Talk podcast of 2023. I'm your host, Andy Braithwaite. Now, we ended 2022 with a well-known independent dealer from North Carolina. And by a total coincidence, we are kicking off 2023 with a well-known independent dealer from North Carolina. So it's my pleasure to welcome today Kim Leeser, CEO of FSI Office, and her daughter Beth Freeman, who is the company's EVP. Good morning to both of you, and thank you for being on OPI Talk. Good morning, Andy. Thank you. Good morning. Thank you for having us. Okay, great. Now, just for our non-US listeners, perhaps you could start with a a quick personal introduction and an overview of FSI Office. All right. Well, I'm uh, Kim Leeser. I've been here for 40 years. This is what I've wanted to do my entire life. uh, My parents uh, started the business back in 1962, and along with my daughter, my sister and my brother are involved in the company now. My sister focuses on the furniture division. I do the office products division. And my brother looks over the operations for both sides. So he's out there getting uh, dirty all the time, which he loves. So uh, it's a great balance of uh, our abilities that we use in different ways. Uh, Beth has been with us for, I guess, around 15 years now. Mm-hmm. And she focuses on uh, analytics uh, in all the areas of the company, along with managing uh, statewide contracts. Yeah, I was going to ask you in terms of the the family involvement, how how you've managed to allocate the roles and responsibilities. You've explained that very well, Kim. Was that a challenge, or was it just kind of a natural way that things happened? It's how my uh, parents sort of set it up. My dad saw us as individuals and recognized where our strengths and weaknesses were and sort of navigated us down those paths of where we uh, fit best. And it's fortunate that we all had a different skill set and have been able to take and focus on those areas in growing the business. Okay. We'll talk a little bit about generational change in a minute. Now, I know you celebrated your 60th anniversary last year congratulations on on reaching that that milestone how, how did you mark that that milestone well i had a really good time so i planned <laughs> lots of parties and celebrations uh, uh we had uh celebrations with all of our employees back in uh october uh so we brought we closed uh part of the day on the friday before so everybody could come and participate we brought everyone into charlotte because we are in three states so we have locations uh all across the place so we just closed them down told our customers we were celebrating 60 years brought them to charlotte had a big party on friday night for the uh, adults and with a uh, uh, famous band from around here from the 60s called chairman of the board so okay. we had live yep. music, dancing, uh, all kinds of different foods from our yeah. areas that we uh, serve in. And then we followed that up on Saturday with uh, what we call the Jimmies. And that's mm. where you come with your family. And so we have all kinds of uh, inflatables, games, prizes, food, snacks, all kinds of fun food trucks and things like that. 
And then we ended it with doing the Jimmy Awards. And so the Jimmy Awards are awards that are nominated and selected by the employees of the FSI. So we've been doing this now for about 16 years. And it's really neat to see how people get nominated. Uh, they're recognized in the different categories within the company based on what they do. And then everybody at the company, excluding the family, votes on who they feel is the best person in that role. It's sort of a take on the Emmys. And one of our uh, groups of salespeople came up with that idea a number of years ago. They said, instead of the Emmys, let's have the Jimmys. And they were named after my dad. Yeah. Okay. So right. it's, it's a lot of fun. Okay, good. We also celebrated with customers a couple weeks after that with our annual consumer show, which was a, a celebration of our 60th year uh, for this, this past year's consumer show. And that's where we invite all of our customers in, have vendors there learning about products, learning more about what we do. We have lunch, uh, door prizes, things like that. So that was a very nice event as well in celebration of the anniversary. Okay. All right. Now, in March, we have a special issue of OPI magazine that will focus on influential women in the business products industry. And I know, Kim, you'll be you'll be featured in, in, in that. Uh, now, let's be honest, it's still a very male-dominated industry. I mean, at FSI, you have a number of women in, in leadership roles. How, how atypical is that, do you think, in, in the North American independent channel? I think that we're rather unique uh, because we do uh, have most of the top level positions are held by females uh, within FSI. So we are different. It's not the industry norm, but the industry should look to work, work towards that. They would be well served to look for more women to serve in those roles. Yeah. What, uh, what do you think can be done to encourage more women to 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 look for careers in, in the office products industry and perhaps for, for dealer principals and, and leaders to, to encourage more women to, to join their businesses? Definitely, we've had somewhat of a natural shift and as a, I guess, result of the pandemic and work from home and how we have all adapted to more flexible work schedules, work locations, all of that, which is certainly more conducive to uh, women in the workforce in general, but I think with that, there's maybe more acceptance of that being the norm, even for a top-level position, and I think that's, in general, a good thing for women in business. As an industry, I think, you know, we have had, I would say I've seen even in my time in the industry, sort of a peak maybe about five years ago, and, and women were definitely more influential women were involved in things, and unfortunately, we and sadly, we've lost several that have been influential women like Jennifer Smith and others that have retired uh, as well. And, you know, I, I see we've kind of peaked and come back from that a little bit. So I would like to see, you know, more networking and more um, opportunities for women to come together and um, have those chances to to share with one another, to network. And, you know, that has been certainly more difficult the last few years. But I think you know, we're at a point that we can be doing more of that now. And hopefully that will mm. encourage more women to participate in, in those things and be able to uh, have those opportunities to be in, in those positions. Right. Okay, good. Now, Beth, you obviously represent the third generation 
of the of the family how 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 easy was it for you to 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 join join the family business i don't know if you had opportunities elsewhere you had a choice to make perhaps and then you chose to join fs fsi so i definitely wanted to end up here um all along that's been my my plan you know through school and everything that this is what i wanted to do as far as you know assimilating into things there certainly have been those generational challenges at times and, you know, differences of opinion. However, I will say, I think there was certainly learning from first generation to second generation that has helped make that easier for me in, in working with Kim, Donna and Jay, the second generation and, and how they are open to different ideas. And I think are more accustomed to also working with each other versus going from the first generation with really my grandfather to three in the second generation, I think, you know, that definitely paved the way for, for me and for that to be an easier, easier transition than it certainly could have been. Mm. I mean, Kim, it looked like your parents did a very good job moving from that first generation to the, to the second generation. I don't know if then that helped subsequently with, with onboarding Beth a few years later. I think so, because one of the things that my father made very clear, you can come to work here. That means you work. <laughs> it's not just your na last name's Godwin. So, yeah, you got a free ride. Uh, <laughs> had we not done the things that we needed to do to pull our weight, uh, we wouldn't still be here. I will tell you, I started in sales and I worked sort of through a lot of different areas. I actually developed different areas uh, by doing them uh, that we integrated into the business and then created different types of customer service teams, how that flows, uh, changed all that up. So I went through that process, working to do uh, interface with customers from a marketing and consumer kind of events. Uh, worked through that process. And so we all had to earn our way into the right to be a leader at FSI. And they, it was just expected. You're, you're not going to be lazy sure. and draw a paycheck. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that by doing it that way, it, it probably did make the path easier for Beth. Because of course, when we first started, there's going to be that thought, oh, they just they're the kids, they're just here. So you have to earn your stripes. And by us being willing to do it, it showed that we're, we're going to work on this, we're not going to be lazy. And so she came into that and she has worked as hard, if not harder than we have to integrate into the business. Yeah. Looking at perhaps other areas of the business, whether you've had to implement a generational change, I'm thinking here of sales, and we hear about the aging Salesforce in, in some cases. H how have you handled that, trying to bring in new blood on, on the sales team, you know, connecting with younger buyers, using more digital tools and that kind of thing? Has, has that been a challenge? So I'm going to start this and then I'm going to hand it off to Beth. So I'm going to take the, uh, the older generation. So we were looking at having lots of sales reps retire. We have very long tenure within our sales team. So that was something we knew was coming. It was happening. When it first started, we were not really doing the best job of it. And we just kept looking, okay, we've got to come up with a plan. So it sort of challenged Beth to sit back and take a look at things. So she 
on her own, just went off and said, I'm going to think through this. And she worked out a plan. She came and presented it to my brother, sister, and I. And it was brilliant. And I will let her take and explain that to you. But I will say it has been extremely successful. So, Beth, why don't you tell a little bit about that? Sure. So, we had really been in the habit of hiring young salespeople straight out of school um, or, or very early in their careers. And they weren't given anything. They were just expected to go and, and develop their own book of business from nothing. And most of the time they would burn out after one, maybe two years. The longevity there was not happening. Thing It was just churn and burn and, and not working well at all. So we didn't have really a good group of people to be able to transition business to. So we definitely saw the problem. Um, and <laughs> The writing on the wall if we didn't make some big changes quickly. So we developed a, a mentoring program where the salesperson that was going to be retiring, we gave them the opportunity to earn commission for an extended period of time if they agreed to some of the terms that we came up with for this program. And they had, you know, they had some skin in the game as well. So they were are, were partnered with and helped us actually hire and yeah. bring on board and select who the new person, the mentee would be in this uh, partnership with them. And they work with them for a period of uh, six months to a year to transition accounts, to help them learn the company, not just the how-to, but the why and the culture of the company, which has been really successful in getting newer um, talent on board that really buys into what we're doing and what FSI is about and really the emphasis of the customer first being a really important part of that. And it's been a, a very successful program where we've been able to not just retain business, but grow business even once the uh, person has retired that has, you know, often been that salesperson for an account for decades. Right. So it's been a, a really good, good thing for us. Right. So, sounds interesting. And less of a turnover of your, your sales team now. Mm -hmm. Yes, very much so. We've had much better longevity there. We we're keeping people, you know, I mean, many of them that have gone through this, I would say maybe all but one, one or two are, are still here. And that's, you know, we're talking about 10 to 15 people that have been a part of this program at this right. point. So, so today, what is the approximate average age of your, your sales team? Um, it's still, they'll have a, a number that have been here for, I believe our, one of our locations has several that have been here for about 40 years. Um, so, so it's around 50 now. It was um, close to 60 when we started this. Okay. Yes. And the other part of this that we were able to implement was to, we knew with technology, marketing, and things like that, we were going to be going after business differently. So where we had a very large sales team, we also knew during this that we could bring the numbers down so we don't have as large of an outside sales team. Uh, and it's more focused on uh, utilizing marketing tools, uh, inside sales, things like that to help us continue have the, having the business, but with fewer salespeople. So we've, we've cut the number almost in half, Beth. Would that be about mm -hmm. accurate uh, over the past six years? Mm, 10 Seven, years. It's been 10 coming. years. Okay. Okay. We, we started a while ago. We knew this was coming. And so this was something that was implemented a long time ago. Okay. So you started that before COVID. 
Oh, yes. most yeah. yes, yes. And did, did COVID did that accelerate accelerate that that strategy or lead to some other particular challenges or no. or were people I guess on, on a perhaps on a, on a sound footing with some of those digital tools and 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 hybrid marketing and sales techniques that uh, that obviously they needed during COVID when they, everyone was working from home. Yes, I think you know COVID certainly did give us impetus for everyone to really fully grab hold of, of some of those new technologies and, and things like like this, a, a Zoom meeting and using Teams and, and all of those things have definitely been important things for us as well. Okay. What's the work from home situation now in the, the markets that, that you serve? Or I guess what's the return to office situation more like? Um, you know, we hear about large metropolitan areas with perhaps you know, 50% re- return to the office, which is, which is a challenge for the business products uh, reseller channel. How, how about in, in the markets that you serve? We see a lot of hybrid, um, but we also yeah. in more rural markets see a lot of back to work as, as usual. Um, that's not everywhere by any means, but it's in the cities where it's more, um, you still see a lot more, you know, completely remote or more work from home days than in office days. Mm. Um, but I would say in the areas in the southeast where we are, we are faring better as far as people coming back to work than some other areas of the country. Okay. But do you still go after that work from home customer? Are, are they are they within reach or have you implemented any any strategies to target them specifically? I would say the biggest strategy that we have regarding work from home customer and how we want to implement it into our you know, what we're doing on a day-to-day basis. We have kind of a two-fold strategy there. One is we have a separate website that is separate brand and everything that is more of a B2C consumer-focused site that definitely is going after that customer. Um, It's a different model. It's not what we do on a day-to-day, and it is not a salesperson-focused model at all. Uh, It's completely online. Then within our B2B segment of our customer base, which is most of what we do, we have been seeing the desire from companies to rein that in that work from home spend because they have not necessarily had policies in place ways to handle that spend for a long time and really the last i would say six to nine months we've started seeing those things included in what those customers are really seeking is to have a work from home purchase program for their employees And that's looked different um, for different customers. There have been some that want to give a set dollar amount that people can spend, and we've been able to help with that and managing it through budgets and approvers and things like that. Um, Others have just wanted to know that, yes, we can handle that, and and we do a fair amount of it. You know, the shipping costs on that are certainly high, and we've had to work through how do we handle that aspect of it? How do we come up with something that's reasonable that is also – in line with the rest of a program we have developed for you know a larger customer but we've been able to successfully do that now with quite a number of of larger accounts that have really wanted to have a an actual policy for their remote worker okay without delving into commercial secrets beth how have you overcome that shipping challenge and the costs involved with that um we have I don't know that we've perfectly solved that problem by any means. We certainly could do a much better job of that. Um, But we are using 
uh, a little bit more uh, in the way of technology to help make better decisions on how to ship product. Um, we are looking at you know opportunities where if it makes sense in some of our markets to make residential deliveries on our own vehicles, we are doing that as well. Um, that one, it, it does get a little tricky there. Um, it's hard to know, is this going to be an easy to get to kind of place for <laughs> our vehicles and, and things like that? So there's there's challenges certainly that come with it. But in general, you know, the more we can deliver ourselves, the more cost effective it is. Uh, and that's what we really are looking to try to do wherever we can. Obviously, can't do that for everything, but um, certainly is what, what we've been doing that helps overcome the, the cost problems. All right. Now, we had some major news in the, the U.S. Office Products channel recently with the, the news that SP Richards is to be acquired by CNG. Kim, Kim, I'll ask you, what, what was your reaction to that, to that news and, and what do you think that will mean for the IDC? Well, I think it's um, a very good thing for the IDC. Um, I know that Yancey and Mike, one of their goals when they purchased SP Richards was to keep it more like the SP Richards of old so that privately held companies like us had something resembling what we were accustomed to. But in that, there's a lot of challenges when you're not from that uh, large distribution model or nationwide and things like that that you have to, to deal with. And then right when they do it, the pandemic comes. And so not only are you integrating into a new one, you know, you have those, but I think they've done a good job in selecting who they're going to sell to. I know that there were other people available that would take the company. But they were very selective, and I appreciate that very much. Um, actually, I was uh, privileged to be on a call yesterday to uh, uh, to hear a little bit about uh, what the plans were uh, for the upcoming uh, transition in the first 90 days. And I was very pleased with the direction and what they're planning to do. I was pleased with the focus that they seem to have that very much aligns with us in regards to customer service, being nimble, being quick to make decisions and uh, move things forward. So I think it's a very good thing. I think we will benefit uh, as an industry from their involvement. Okay. There's been some talk about perhaps the product assortment. SP has been a little bit narrow. Any sense that inventory will, will widen and they'll be offering a broader selection of products that you sell? I, I believe it will. I believe we'll see a significant increase in inventory with what they are currently inventorying, but also looking at the areas that they need to flesh out to make them uh, a better fit to be able to take care of uh, independent dealers. Very much believe that will happen. All right. Okay. We'll see that that transaction is due to close actually in a in a few days' <laughs> time. So hopefully we'll yes. we'll know a bit more in the in the in the coming weeks. Just just to. To round off, what do you see as the, the key opportunities uh, and perhaps challenges in 2023, both, both for FSI uh, and then the wider dealer channel in the U.S.? So some of the things that I see as challenges will be how do we manage uh, distribution as we move forward? It has been a challenge. We know the model that we use. How do we take and um 
capitalize on that to grow business because we do things where you get product next day, you get orders complete next day. And now that the supply chain disruption is beginning to ease and you've got product more accessible, how can we take those things and work from home people? How do we get more business from that through, you know, our other entity, but also with companies that have people from work from home? I think we're challenged with that because we've got driver shortages and that's a big challenge. Mm. And so we have to come up with ways to entice people to want to drive for us and not our competitor. So we've worked through some programs to try to do that, to bring that level of service of excellence, uh, because that's what we sell on. We sell on service. So you have to continue to maintain that. So keeping a focus on that, not letting the balls drop and how we distribute products, how we take care of people from internal uh, perspective. Like I said, we have a lot of long-term employees from our customer service group. I probably have, they average 20 years here. So they're very knowledgeable. They're very good at assuring customers, helping them find what they need. So continuing that and making people feel really uh, like they're the only customer we have. That's what I want the experience to be. You are the only customer I have, and you are the most important person mm. I'm talking to today. All right. Yeah. Beth, what are your top priorities for the next few months? Um, I think we have we started in 2022 making some pretty significant investments in technology as well. And we're seeing a lot of that has come to fruition and, and some more. We've got two more big projects this year. And I think those will all continue to help us in optimizing processes, being more efficient, how we balance that use of technology with people as well. And that's something that I think is both a challenge and an opportunity for us. But I think we have a lot of really good opportunities as it relates to how to better utilize technology within our organization. Obviously, you know, economic uncertainty is certainly a challenge that, you know, everyone is sort of facing. You see a lot of companies already bracing for that with mm. layoffs and things of that nature. So I think that's something that, you know, will certainly have an impact on business as we go throughout 2023. Okay. Are you seeing that downturn reflected in, in sales figures at the start of the year? No. Okay. We have not seen seen it reflected in, in revenue at this point. All right. Well, that's encouraging, isn't it? It is. Yes. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, listen, thank you very much for being on this episode of OPI Talk. I appreciate that. And all the best for the rest of 2023. All right. Thank, thank you so much. We wish you the best. Thank you very much. If you have got this far, then thank you for listening to this episode of OPI Talk. Please check out our website, opi.net, for news, interviews, analysis, and much more from the business products world. We've also got a great app that you can download from the App Store or Google Play. Just search for OPI Magazine. And we hope you will join us again soon for another episode of OPI Talk.